You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're gonna die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday, there was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Uh, away we go. Chicken Dinner Thursday, June 29th, 2023. Follow on Twitter at ChickenXDinner where the DMs are always open for you. And subscribe so you get this mother clucker once it goes live. We will talk to Andy Molitor from BetSpurt, the Deep Dive Podcast. Draft betting as we knew it is basically dead. Andy and I will put a ribbon on that conversation. He's making a futures bet on all 32 NFL teams. And not just win totals over or under. He's diving inside a lot of these future markets, which I think is great content heading into the season. And if you skip past the Eagles and Niners, you can get some real nice numbers in the NFC. My annual August trip to Las Vegas is officially set for this summer. Can you hear me smiling? Although it's not just Vegas. If you know me, I got to go big. I'm going San Diego, Los Angeles, Vegas. Oh, yeah. Three cities, I believe 10 days, and oh, man, am I pumped for some of these interviews. Here's the tentative list of people that I'm going to sit down with for chicken dinner. Roxy Roxborough, Derek Stevens, Ed Sammons, Chris Andrews, Vinny Maiulo, Mitch Moss, Matt Humans, Amal Shaw, Dwayne Colucci. A lot of people that I've been friendly with for a long time, some of them more than others. So those conversations will be fun. Like the humans one just excites me. That could be an hour podcast. We used to host together at VEASAN and then go out and drink together after the shows. And Matt has seen me at my highs, not to mention my lows. So these are going to be some fun shows that I'm going to basically try and stagger uh, throughout August and September, like there's a schedule that I'm loosely trying to follow where I start the Vegas episodes August 10th and then do one every week through September. Hopefully I can check all of those boxes on this trip. But yeah, fly out to San Diego on a Friday, land in time to go to the Padres game that night with Murray, Humans, Adam Hill, Allen, Moe, a lot of rascals from Vegas are going to be in town. And then a couple days there, Delmar, maybe another Padres game. Those guys are golfing. There's no shot I'm getting on the golf course. And then in L.A., going to do some work uh, out there with Fox and see some friends and then driving across to Vegas uh, to do some stuff there and uh, hopefully be able to tell you next week what's going on uh, with Bet Bash. I'm going to do some stuff with Bet Bash too. So if you're going to Bet Bash, uh, let's get together and, and break some bread. Hell of a trip, though. I can't wait for it. Uh, Let's start putting uh, Florida in the box. It was a hell of a run by the Gators. Our plus 950 Florida future before the tournament made it all the way to the third and final game of the College World Series championship. I thought after Florida won, what was it, 24-4 on Sunday, I thought for sure LSU would be rattled. They'd put Skeens in a tough spot in game three, and I was convinced Florida was going to win game three. A little biased, perhaps, 
couldn't justify either. I saw one offshore shop, I think it was Bet Chris, went as high as LSU minus 200 on Monday afternoon. Clearly, it was the right price, but in hindsight, I was never going to lay $182 to hedge. Some people hedged. If you did, good for you. I did not, and some people are still telling me that I'm an idiot because I didn't hedge. Well, I didn't hedge the heat either and uh, made nine units there so I can afford a one-unit swallow on on Florida. But, look, hedging is always going to be a personal preference, and I was very clear I wasn't going to hedge Florida. Felt good about it, especially after Saturday or Sunday. My days are all running together. Saturday was the 4-3 to three LSU win, and then Sunday was the 24-4 to four Florida win, and then LSU just pounded Florida on Monday. Some of you hedged. Props to you. My friend Drew bet LSU live on the money line at plus 180 after Josh Rivera hit that two-run homer. Or was it? No, not Rivera. It was Wyatt Langford, not to be confused with Wyatt Langmore from Ozark. Nathan sent me a message on Twitter. Thanks for Florida, man. Would have loved the win, but I'll take a free three and a half units with the hedge any day of the week. Hell yeah. You do what you got to do. It's another chicken dinner bet that puts you in a great spot. It lost. I'm not making excuses here. It lost. I lost. I didn't make money on this bet. That was my choice. You decide, though, what you do. I'm not coming to all your houses and making you ride or hedge. That ain't happening. But to get a team at 9 or 10 to 1 in that vicinity to make it all the way to the championship round or the championship game. What more can I do? Um, I don't know how much you've seen about this Shams and FanDuel story. I actually didn't even think about it during the day of the draft because I still, when I think of Shams, I think of Stadium and The Athletic and I don't think of FanDuel. And Shams, for as long as I've known him, has been a guy who has been super integrity-driven and honest to the point, doesn't burn any bridges, respects his sources. So let me start by saying I don't think there's any foul play here. But I did have a conversation at work at Nesson with our producer, J.J. Leonard, who does our TV show on Nesson, Monday to Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, by the way, on Nesson, the ultimate betting show. He said, you see the story about Shams? I said, no, I hadn't seen it. You probably have a little bit of an idea where I'm going. So Shams, day of the draft, Brandon Miller is a $7 favorite. I was driving to work, actually, and I called Vegas Rick because there were a couple people that were texting me that are very good at drafts that said, yo, we're hearing some rumors about Scoot potentially being live to go too. And at that time... Miller was minus 700, and you know some outs had skewed at plus 250, which I tweeted about, and some people got upset, which I, I still think those um, splits or that straddle is a joke, minus 700 and plus 250. We were able to find, I called Vic, I said, hey, if there's anything on Scoot north of 4-1, to one, like I think he's going to become the favorite at some point because if this goes the way I think it could go, this will flip, this market will flip. And within an hour or 90 minutes from that phone call, when I know Ricky bet some scoot at plus four or plus four and a quarter, Sham sent out the following tweet. Quote, sources, Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Brandon Miller, 
Team has final meetings today to settle on decision. End quote. That's it. Didn't say that Scoot was going to the Hornets. Didn't say that the Hornets were going to take Scoot. And we don't know what the Hornets are telling Shams. And Ian Rappaport was on with McAfee and said, in the insider game, you have to wade through bullshit all the time. He told McAfee that. It's it's a tough line to balance on. And I'm sure Charlotte reached out to Shams and said, you know, we're really thinking about Scoot at two. Which is basically what Shams said. But the betting market doesn't wait. It attacks it's fucking chum in the water. So you see that tweet as a professional better or somebody who has the ability to get down at four, four and a quarter, guys are just going to bet that. So within, I don't know, 20 minutes, this scoot number offshore goes from four to one to 250 to even money. And then before you know it, Scoot Henderson is minus 600 to go second overall. At which point, if you did what Dinsick and Molitor did last year and, and those guys, they bet Paulo Bancaro at every plus price they could find. But guys like that, and, and Ricky did this too, you're able to take Henderson before the Shams tweet because the rumblings start coming out and then it's an exclamation point when Shams tweets it. So guys like that took Scoot at plus price. And then when Scoot goes to minus $6 – you take Brandon Miller at three to one plus three fifty, and you basically are free rolling number two. Some people though just see the Shams tweet and just unload on Scoot, and I, <laughs> I'm gonna guess that Fanduel probably made good money on number two, which is the problem with the optics of the situation. And I got an email from a PR firm that said as follows. Brandon Miller was the leading favorite to be picked second in the NBA draft, yet when NBA insider Sham Sharania tweeted that fellow draftee Scoot Henderson is rising to be the second pick, sportsbooks like FanDuel massively shifted the odds. Yet Miller was taken second, and the FanDuels of the world cashed in. The problem, Shams also represents FanDuel. <sighs> I don't know. I don't think Shams was purposely trying to put money in FanDuel's pocket, but this is that area that some people were concerned about years ago when this thing got legal. And when insiders work with sports books, this is going to happen. If I remember correctly, this is like the only thing Shams got kind of wrong night of the draft. And it just so happened to move Brandon Miller from minus 700 to plus 300 plus 350. Fascinating. Money doesn't wait. Money attacks. And that's what happened at two. Let's talk NFL. The wise guys, as I've told you, love the Atlanta Falcons. And I just wrote this up for Fox. I tweeted it out at SP Shoot. Adam Chernoff from Red Angle Sports joined me. We talked on the phone for 10, 15 minutes, and I cranked out 900 words on how wise guys are attacking the NFL. And there's always going to be that group of people that doesn't want to tie up money for six to seven months, and I understand that. But when certain bettors and certain groups find an edge, they pounce. That's the way it works. And Chernoff gave me a couple bites at the apple with some plays that they've either made or they love. 
The top position was the Falcons, over. Falcons also to win the South. You can still find plus two and a quarter, plus 230. Everybody on RAS came to the exact same consensus on Atlanta. Everybody liked over eight and a half wins. I don't think I've ever heard that from Chernoff. We talked about teams like Chicago, teams like Jacksonville. There was back and forth there. I also wrote a story with Adam Furnesson where a lot of people liked under on New England seven and a half, but one of the big voices at RAS said, I have much better things to do than bet my money on Bill Belichick not winning eight games. And if there's any coach that could do it, it's Belichick. So that group didn't bet a single dollar against Belichick, on or against. But they were all on the same Falcons page. And I I understand it's getting sexy, but in the weakest division in football, where the Saints are the weakest divisional favorite, in my opinion, and according to Adam, that's the the thought process in that group. This is the quote that grabbed me from Chernoff. In their first 11 weeks, the Falcons are playing seven opponents with complete uncertainty at quarterback when it comes to production. Bryce Young, Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, and Kyler Murray off an ACL tear. That's two rookies, two first-year starters, and two journeymen. And then Murray, who honestly might not even play if the Cardinals blow out of the gate, which they should. I mean, they have the lowest win total in football, four and a half. If Arizona is two and seven going into that game in Atlanta, why does Kyler Murray play? There's literally no point. That might be Clayton Toon, the rookie for Arizona. If Ryan Tannehill sputters out of the gate, it might be rookie Will Levis. The schedule could get easier for Atlanta. And Chernoff is really big on this, and he's been talking about this on all of his platforms. Those guys love Arthur Smith. Don't know if it's correct or incorrect, but the position has been made. It's a make-it-or-break-it year for Smith. And he has made it clear this is what he needs, this is what he wants. That's why Atlanta took Bajan Robinson, eighth overall. I actually think he's a pretty good play caller. Chernoff thinks he's underrated as a head coach, and they do, RAS, they expect aggression on offense. So that's a team, when you go to the prop shop and type in Atlanta, the juice is uh, is starting to increase. So you can go over 8.5. I'll give you the uh, American books if you want. You go over 8.5 at DraftKings plus 110. You go to FanDuel, over 8.5 is minus 15. MGM over eight and a half minus one twenty. Caesars over minus one thirty. Points bet over eight and a half minus one thirty five. So you can see that thing is getting more and more expensive. I don't think we get to nine because then there will be resistance under nine because when you get to nine, it takes ten to cash that ticket and and guys will go under nine. I promise you. I, I know guys that will go under nine. Because going into the draft, it was mostly eight. So it's already risen half a win. If you have a DK right now at plus 110, I would I would think you should probably bet that. Um, I didn't pull up Vegas odds. I'm sure uh, some books have minus 110 on 8.5. I, I don't know. I didn't pull them up. But that's the range on over 8.5. 
plus 110 to minus 135, and a lot of numbers in between. These guys love Atlanta. Top position, according to Adam Chernoff. And I'm not going to give you the whole article here. You can read it on your own time if you want, but he gave me a uh, very realistic shot for Offensive Player of the Year, and that is Browns running back Nick Chubb. Adam really loves that Kareem Hunt isn't there anymore. So it's basically Chubb's backfield all by himself. And with more passing expected this year from Stefanski with what should be a fully mobile and fully ready-to-go Deshaun Watson, that changes the way that they're going to run Chubb. Less outside zone and more inside zone, which he was very good at at Georgia. So if they can pass the ball with success, you can no longer stuff the box. And if you get that passing game going, it opens up more home run shots for a guy who could be a home run hitter. And you could find Nick Chubb right now at 30-1 to to be the offensive player of the year. This market is usually like a receiver or a running back. You know, the the quarterbacks are going to mostly win the MVP. But if you go back and look at the last few offensive player of the years, here we go. Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, Michael Thomas, Mahomes in 18, Gurley, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, DeMarco Murray. I'm not going to read the whole list, but in that small sample size, that's a lot of playmakers, not quarterbacks. Jefferson, Cup, Henry, Thomas, Gurley, DeMarco Murray. Nick Chubb at 30-1, to if all goes well there in Cleveland, that's not a bad idea. Uh, a couple more quick things. I, uh, I'm looking at NFL Coach of the Year. I think it's because I'm inspired by our guest, Andy Molitor. There are two that I have circled. Matt Aberflus, which Andy put me on, of course, which you'll hear uh, shortly. But Eberflus is 12-1 at FanDuel, 13-1 at Caesars. And then a guy that I'm very fond of this year. I'm, I'm super high on Mike McDaniel in Miami. And if Tua stays on the field, which I think he will, Mike McDaniel you could find 20-1 at FanDuel. 18-1 Caesars, 20-1 FanDuel. Other books should have odds in the coming weeks. Nothing surprisingly at DraftKings right now for awards. They've got MVP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I am going to guess DraftKings will have that market up soon. Whenever you bet it, just get the best number. And I'm already thinking like, oh, who can I get around Connecticut to go to Mohegan and pop that paper ticket on McDaniel 20-1? to It's two completely different paths to the award. The Chicago path is very simple. Worst team in the NFL last year, three wins. If the Bears go 9-8 and or 10-7 and – Win the North, it's probably a good chance that Eberflus wins Coach of the Year. The old worst to first, or a shitty team to a playoff team. That's easy. The McDaniel one is a little bit next level, but if you're high on Miami like I am, think about this. If the Miami Dolphins win 11 or 12 games, last year they go 9-8 and eight and make the playoffs, but Tua missed a handful of games, maybe five games, now that I think about it. McDaniel gets the most out of Tua. Tyreek Hill has a monster year. Jalen Waddle gets 1,000 yards. And maybe Dalvin Cook goes there and rushes for 
a thousand on the ground, and Miami's offense can't be stopped. And McDaniel's the new McVay. In a division with Josh Allen, with Aaron Rodgers, and with Bill Belichick. You thought I was going to say Mac Jones, didn't you? <laughs> no. If Miami wins a loaded East with Belichick, Rodgers, and Allen, voters are going to go, oh, this kid's it. So those are the two, one from a bad team, one from a contender. I like both of them, and I think those numbers are fair. 13-1 to Eberflus and 20-1 to McDaniel. Now that Connor Bedard is officially a Chicago Blackhawk, I'm thinking about next year's point total. <laughs> I texted Jeff Davis at Circa. I go, hey, uh, Chicago's point total last year was 66 and a half. What do you think it is next year? And Jeff is so funny on text. He said, I haven't thought about NHL point totals at all. <laughs> well, last year, I remember talking and tweeting about the under on Chicago, 66 and a half. Because the team didn't have a lot of talent, and I didn't think that guys like Patrick Kane were going to be around all season. It looked like the rebuild was going into effect. Blackhawks finished 26, 49, and 7, 59 points under 66 and a half. This team, though, already looks different. And no, I'm not talking about Corey Perry, who's 38 years old, although that's not a bad vet to bring in for morale and sandpaper and physicality. But on top, they are already five times more talented than they were at the end of last season. When they traded Kane, that team fucking sucked. And now, heading into this season, on the top line, it's Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall. I imagine some other vets are going to want to come to town. I'm not saying playoffs. Let's not even go there. But this will be a team, like if you hang a 74.5, 75.5 on the point total for the regular season, I would bet the over there without even thinking about it. Once it comes out, I'm betting over. If I get anything under 75, this also should be a team that's going to fly up and down the ice. There are going to be some 5-3 to three finals and 6-4 to four finals this is going to be a team that gets out and scores. Do you play defense? Eh, I don't know. But Bedard and Hall is a great place to start. So hang a 72.5 in my face or a 73.5 in my face, and I will be getting down on the over. And the last thing, we are 10 weeks away, boys and girls, from the NFL season opener between the Chiefs and the Lions. Not that I'm counting. Contest season is also upon us. And they are ramping up at Circa this year. The prizes, the guaranteed prizes this year for the million and the survivor, $14 million. No rake. So if the entries go above the guarantee, all the extra money goes into the prize pool which is unheard of in this day and age. You also have to register in person at a Circa book in Nevada, and then you make your picks through a proxy. But for the million, it's $6 million in guaranteed prizes, $1,000 a pop, maximum five entries. You know the drill. 
Five teams against the spread every week. Winner takes home a million. Quarterly and season-long prizes. And the last place booby prize is 100K, which I've been thinking about this. How do we not enter the bartender in the Circa Million? Five picks a week. You know he's going at least two and three, if not one and four. In the Survivor, this is wild. $8 million guaranteed to the winners. Same thing, $1,000 per entry. One team straight up every week, eliminated if the team loses or ties. And uh, if a single person wins, they get the entire pot. If multiple people go 20-0 and 0, or multiple people are eliminated in the same week, uh, everybody splits the pot. So <laughs> $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Six in the million, eight in the survivor, and I can't wait for uh for sign up in august here of course we'll be playing in the contest this year with my friends at winter circle proxy the top proxy in vegas and i'll be signing up with winter circle in august <laughs> joining us again on chicken dinner he directs the content at bet spurts and he hosts the deep dive podcast with our friend drew dinsick he's on twitter at andy msfw andy molitor for the longest time i thought you were like cussing at me every time i saw your handle i didn't know what the back meant yeah, I don't. I think maybe you know credit words too. I think Drew helped me with that. Where it was just we needed something because I was getting a lot of hard time on Twitter for my Andy M O five six two three. You know, I just had one of those accounts for the longest time because I just let Twitter decide. You know, however many years ago I joined. I'm looking at these draft markets that we had available last year, and you know me, I keep receipts better than most, and yeah. I have a lot of screenshots of the bets that we were able to make last year you know the head-to-head stuff at some shops the draft position which has really gone to the wayside I remember last year we were able to bet guys under 33 and a half and the highest number I think I ever saw in this 2023 draft season was 20 and a half yeah the draft positions are few and far between FanDuel doesn't have any this year DraftKings had like five players for a month and a half the way to bet the draft that we know and that we loved for years is no more. Yeah. And it's silly too. Maybe short-sighted. Like I get not wanting to take a bath on informational markets. Like if I'm running a book, of course, that's maybe the way I would go. But at the same time, just, you know, place reasonable limits, have them up, get people to your, get people opening your sports book to go bet on drafts. Like, I mean, how many times do people go and open a sportsbook app to do something like that and they end up keeping it open and, you know, uh, maybe I should check out what the baseball menu looks like today or something like that. So it's silly to just not have it all together. And I get it. It's time and effort. But at the same time, it isn't. If you just, just copy somebody else's lines who's putting out a bunch of markets, put low limits on it, and you can still say, well, hey, we have a bunch of draft offerings. And it's funny, too, with the NFL draft, it's like, you know, a lot of the information just wasn't there this year. We had a lot of teams near the top who were you know, kind of tight-lipped, and they should have had higher limits, more markets. I think they'd have cleaned up a little bit. So it's it's silly that it was so reactive after getting hit hard on a couple of basically all the first round picks or the all four first overall picks last year, I suppose, for some of these, some of these books that put up markets for everything, including the, I mean, the hockey player whose name I can't even remember. 
Well, wait a minute. When you say all four number one picks, the big ones that I can remember, obviously, and, and your crew and the guys you run around with were just all over this Bancaro stuff last year when the wise guys were going heads up with Woj, who was adamant that Jabari Smith was going one, which pushed Paolo out day of the draft, seven, eight, nine, ten to one, and then you guys kept coming back and Woj kept planting his flag and it was back and forth until Woj eventually said, uh-oh. But I thought, you know, Trayvon Walker was a part of the whole draft conversation. I mean, the NFL and NBA are obviously separate entities. But the way that those number one picks have sort of permeated the last year or so have really changed everything. Now, you said four number ones. What what am I missing here? I remember Walker and Bancaro. Am I forgetting something? Again, I can't remember the name. It's from like Finland or something. There were some people that got down early on uh, number one overall for NHL at like, you know, I don't remember the price on him to, to go, but there were some decent prices. Again, there was like nobody that had those markets up. There was, I just remember some people had it. It's like, Jesus, we can do this for all four sports. And then uh, it wasn't such a big windfall in baseball, but. There were some people that said, hey, maybe take a shot on Jackson Holiday, hearing some things for baseball. Again, that was like I open up 10 sportsbook apps. I find it on one place, low limit. But you want to you want to finish that infinity gauntlet and get all four. So I had a pretty small bet on that that ended up hitting, I think, to the to the Orioles. That sounds about right. But yeah, those I mean. If we're going to complain about the NBA and the NFL markets, like the baseball and hockey ones are so small and so hard to find. There wasn't a whole lot to be had there. Um, I did I did watch like the first five picks of the NHL draft for for reasons, because, you know, we, we had a couple of small bets down on some long shots there. We had, a, you know, obviously the, the Paolo thing was was massive. I just somebody was talking about that with me the other day. And I said, like. You know, a lot of it was just positioning. Like, hey, we don't know he's going first, but the numbers that were out, you know, early were clearly very, very wrong. So once you you start accruing those positions of like, you know, the big numbers on him to to go first overall, and we get closer to the draft, and it's more of a two three horse race, then you're like married to it, and you're just living and dying, and you have Google Alerts set and. Uh, that's what we talked about. It's just like when that first Woj tweet came out that said it's Jabari and you're kind of, I don't know, you're conditioned to believe him. Like, I remember <laughs> I went home. I, I told somebody like, and it's funny, I didn't go home home. We were renovating the house. So we had an Airbnb in town, which was nice. So it was about 10 minutes closer, but I just, I went home like after that. I'm like, well, I'm going to call it a day. I'm going to go just kind of lay on the couch and mope because they're at the ceiling. You know, well, you, you had all this hype and this buildup to, and, and you're spending that money in your head already. And then Woj tweets that. And I mean, it's, it's like low grade depression. So, and I said, I'm like, this is how it feels probably to have like manic depressive episodes because I had both, you know, within like six hours, like I was like laying on the couch moping. And then the second Woj tweet comes out and obviously I'd like every group chat I'm in is just suddenly lighting up with holy shit this is happening you know this is a thing and I'm like oh my god this is and then, and then you just sit there and it obviously takes forever for the draft to start but yeah that was a that was a super fun day after it you know it was looking like it wasn't gonna be I saw a tweet this is from early June and I love the bet spurts guys because you guys do cover golf pretty well and and one of your boys actually had Wyndham Clark 
to win the U.S. Open at, what, 120 to 1, which was a great cash. But I want to go back to this tweet. Somebody brought up the dead heat rules at FanDuel, like top 10s, top 20s, top 40s. And I still don't really know what I'm reading here. Maybe you don't either. What is going on here? Like, if I make a top 20 bet and the guy is actually tied, I lose a lot of my nut? What's going on here? Yeah, you know, I I looked at it and looked at it and I responded to that tweet and said, like, this is the way it's worded makes it sound like any tie. And then, you know, there were several people that had, you know, I think the the genesis of that thread was somebody who hadn't been paid out right. Uh, we've had, you know, over at Best Sports Golf, we've had DMs from people be like, hey, is this right? <laughs> because, you know, the basic tenet of this whole conversation is dead heat rules are confusing. The math is kind of tricky. You shouldn't be doing it by hand. There's calculators for it that uh, are all from like Europe because most of these are, you know, horse racing rules. But the fact that it's confusing to begin with sucks. And then, I think the worst part of this whole deal was just uh, the ambiguous language they used. In dead heats, half the stake is applied to the selection at full odds, and the other half is lost. If more than two dead heats are declared, the stake is proportioned accordingly. I'm more confused than I was before I read that. Yeah. I mean, you have to have all this information before you can even do the math. If it was a top 20... You have to know how many spots were available and how many golfers filled it. So, like, if eight guys are tied for top, you know, for tied at 17th, it's different than eight guys tied at 19th because there's fewer, there's only two spots, 19th and 20th. So, I mean, the, the math behind it sucks to begin with. And that, I think that's the, that's the real crime is you, me, and everybody who's probably listened is at one point had to deal with a customer service rep from a sports book. And I don't like to just shit on people for trying to do their job, but I feel like a lot of those people don't get the proper training to begin with. The only thing they have to lean on is the exact same rules that you're reading for the most part, I think, you know, so when you're, when you're dealing with a CSR and trying to get your payout, right. I think they're just, you know, looking back at the same house rules that you've been able to read. And the fact that Fandos were so, uh, you know, just clear as mud. And like there's probably people like, no, this is right. <laughs> there was a tie. So it chops, you lose half your stake. And, you know, it was a, like a t- uh, top 40 bet and the guy tied for like uh, 28th or something silly. So I've, I've seen it several times where it was graded wrong. Hopefully people, you know, just know if it's graded wrong, continue to hammer on them. Say you need this elevated. I need to speak to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Because uh, same thing, like I've just said three times, like they're just leaning on those same house rules. And if it's not clear, you need to get your shit figured out because, boy, that's that's rough. Like dead heat sucks to begin with. I want to spend the back nine of this on the NFL. We're almost there, right? It's almost NFL season. Oh, yeah. It's the end of June. And I know that you bet less and less baseball as we get through the summer. And I've been firing maybe less baseball than I ever have, aside from the uh, the Luke Combs effect when uh when teams are at his concerts and all that but you are doing something very cool this year that you told me before we started taping this and i'm assuming this is a bet sports project but you're gonna do a bet on every team yes yeah when when we start on the deep dive previews i think it's usually early july so it's not quite there yet i'm trying to make some football content i'm getting ready for that i'm like if i'm gonna be reading a ton of stuff and like putting all my notes together for every team here I'm just going to 
start to you know look at those I don't know. I don't want to call them outlier situations because they happen every year. Somebody's going to go from first to worst. Somebody weird is going to get their name in the, you know, the rookie of the year conversations. There's going to be some, you know, outlier performances from some teams and players. I mean, there's a lot of fun player props or, you know, this person to lead the league in rushing touchdowns, things like that. There's so many good markets now. It's like the opposite of draft markets. The NFL every year, there's just more and more new markets, which is a ton of fun. So yeah, every team I'm going to try to find like uh, kind of a, what if, like, what if, this happens and like the, all these things happen and this team is a lot better or a lot worse. Like what's, what's uh you know, what's the bet to make, you know, because there's a, there's a lot of things that can happen. It's like, well, if this team's really good, it still doesn't mean this player can win the MVP, but you know, maybe his coach gets some recognition or maybe their, their wide receiver one is your, your league leader in yards or something like that. So I'm trying to find, you know, just beyond like, you know, your basic regular season win total stuff. I don't want to be laying minus 110 on any of these. I want 32 bets. It's nice plus money odds. So I started, uh, like I said, with uh, when we were talking before the show, I started with the Bears and kind of fell in love with Coach of the Year, even though he's, you know, it's not a super long shot, but it kind of goes back to the, uh, you know, the weirdness that goes on in our brains where you know you have to have these huge numbers on markets like that. I'll take a 10 to 1. Give me a 10 to 1 on a baseball game today. You know, that ain't happening. So 10, 11, 12 to 1 on coach of the year. I know it has to sit for a little longer, but I'm uh, more than happy with Aberflus at uh, 13, I think Caesar's at. I actually have them. Allen still laughs at me, Bergie, over at WinBet. He goes, did you just bet the Bears at 40 to 1 to win the NFC? And I went, Maybe. (laughs) And that's a big Bears guy. He knows they're likely not winning the NFC. But I'll tell you what, man, I I have learned over the years that you have to take advantage of numbers that are just not right. And it's not to say that Chicago is winning the NFC. But when I looked around the world, I saw a 22, a 24, a lot of 25s, a 28, a 30, and WinBet was hanging 40 to 1. Now, again, I don't think the Bears are winning the NFC, but let's just say, Andy, let's play devil's advocate here, and they have a season like they did in 18 where they go 12 and 4 that year, win the division, and are a real Cody Parkey made field goal away from making that an interesting ticket. I can do a lot yeah. of things if the Bears are the best team in the North have a home game in the playoffs and win said game, then I could do whatever I want with 40 to one. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the, you know, the, the basis for both of our bets there and the bears is the NFC is weak. The NFC North is wide open and sort of weak. As long as you, if you know, if you haven't fully bought into the Honolulu blue to hype, I think that maybe that hype train got derailed a little once they, you know, once they hit the draft and, Apparently, we're drinking heavily when they went into that draft. But I mean, if you want to throw your money at Kirk Cousins, that's one thing. But you know, a, a lot of speculation comes with how Jordan Love will play. We don't know. That's a that's kind of a make or break for that whole team. But uh, yeah, the Bears and uh, I, honestly, a lot of what my bet was for was they just set themselves up so perfectly. You go back and look at Coach of the Year. There's a lot of hey, how bad was this team last year? And look how this turnaround worked. Like, you know, Ron Rivera's second time winning it was uh, a year after the Panthers had won, I don't know, like very few games. I think it was under three. So 
they kind of set themselves up in a nice spot by losing all the close games and, you know, going on that long losing streak to end the season. Now you have this, Oh, the the media. I mean, we're going to be the ones pumping this up is, Oh man, 10 game losing streak. And now look at them. They're sitting at like six and two. This team only won. We're going to hear that a million times if the bears are good. This team only won three games last year. This is quite amazing what they're doing this year with their young quarterback. And like to, to your point, it is a weak division. If you win the division, you get a home game in the playoffs, man. Imagine sitting on a 41 ticket and uh, they're sitting in there in the second week of the playoffs. You and I grew up in that division too. You're a Vikings guy. I used to be a Bears guy. After I had to cover Jay Cutler, I sort of lost a lot of the fandom that came <laughs> with that. And I like Jay. It just it was a chore to cover that team. And then I was there the year that – they had Jay Cutler, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett, Mark Tressman, Kyle Long, and they all wanted to kill each other by week eight, which made it miserable to be around. I'm digressing from my point here. This division, I don't remember it being this wide open, and yet I still laugh, Andy, at the fact that there are people running to the window to bet the Lions to win the Super Bowl at 20-1. to 1. Like, what planet am I on with the NFC North this year? Yeah, that's been a thing, too, this year where – or, I mean, just in general with the NFL and maybe betting markets as a whole lately is like when there's a hype train, the books have gotten very comfortable completely adjusting a number to a, a hilarious spot. And I get that the NFC is is much weaker, but 20 to 1 on the Lions to win the Super Bowl is silly. And I mean, even back to the Bears, I saw one book that had Justin Fields to win the MVP down to 20. Which, uh, you know, there were some comments around that from some writers last week. And I get that uh, a breakout season, and you know, if you bet them at a triple digit number, that's fine. But I had to have a chuckle like 20 to one on fields to win the MVP made me made me giggle. Like in, in what world is he just suddenly elevating him past like the, the top six quarterbacks at that price? So, I mean, take it easy on some of those guys. Uh, learn to learn when to jump off the hype train. And a lot of it is price based, I think. Which team is scary sexy this year? Last year, I want to say the sexy team was Miami going into last year with McDaniel. And, like, they had some issues at quarterback, which sort of derailed their real path. I mean, Skylar Thompson started at quarterback for the Dolphins last year. But Miami with McDaniel, I feel like, was a really off-season sexy team. And didn't really live up to the hype, again, for different reasons. But there's always that team. I, I remember sitting down at the South Point in 2017 with Chris Andrews, and he goes, if the Titans win the Super Bowl, I'm in trouble. <laughs> there's always that team, and I, I'm not quite sure which team it is yet, but it will arise over the next four six weeks. I mean, you're right about the Dolphins, too. There was a lot of hype around McDaniel and getting Tyreek and, like, some of the, you know, they, they're all in. Like, I, th- I feel like that phrase was used a lot preseason. They're, they're kind of all in on this roster right now, and they, they're really going for it. And, yeah, it's that's a big what if because of, with all the quarterback injuries, the fact that you had to go with Teddy and Skyler quite a bit. We, we never know if that hype train would have arrived. But Jacksonville getting a lot of love. I think a ton of that comes from, you know, the fact that they're in a – they're in a pretty weak division at this point. We saw some signs of life in the post-urban you know, landscape out there, but that's a, that's another one too, where it's like, yeah, they're getting a lot of love, but have you seen the other quarterbacks and teams in the AFC? Like it's, it's hard for me to, you know, ride that very far. So it might be Jacksonville. Obviously Detroit is out of control at this point, but I don't know. I, it feels like for the last like 
five years it's been the Chargers. Isn't there always there's always somebody in that that AFC West who's like, man, we haven't even gotten this deep in this guy's career, but it's like who who's gonna dethrone Mahomes in it in his division? And you know, we, we did we did a little bit of that with you know, now that I'm thinking of it, we did a little bit of that with Denver last year. We did that with like, you know, they have a real quarterback, they've got a new coach. What's going to happen here? This is suddenly a very competitive, you know, division turned out. That part of it was very, very wrong. That offense just never got going, despite how good that defense played for like 12 weeks. Yeah, that that was a full-on disaster if you were on that hype train. It sounds like, and I kind of want to wrap this up with the conversation about the NFC, because you brought it up earlier with the the Bears conversation, and then you just brought it up again with all the talent in the AFC – you know, you got 10 legit quarterbacks that are all controllable under contract in their prime. It's scary to think. And then you throw in an Aaron Rodgers and a Russell Wilson, and it's like, holy cow, this is a loaded laundry list of talented quarterbacks. So let's just look the other direction, and let's look at this NFC. Am I crazy to think that maybe Atlanta can win the South this year and, and make a playoff run? That's a team that I know some sharp guys – Pounded over seven and a half, pounded over eight. The win totals eight and a half now in a very weak division. We already discussed Chicago. Is it Seattle out west? Um, if San Francisco is not healthy at quarterback, I'm just I'm curious here. If it's not the Eagles, is there a team that that maybe we should think about that could potentially be a great bet at a high number? Yeah, I mean, it, I do like some of the thoughts coming out of that uh, NFC South. And maybe Atlanta. I'm not fully sold on the Arthur Smith experience, I guess. I bet him to win Coach of the Year is his first year there. I was obviously pretty disappointed with the results of that bet and just how it looked in general. But I mean, if they can if they can fully tap into that what they've put together as far as a run offense and get their new toy working good and suddenly like, you know, maybe maybe they build an offense around Ritter instead of trying to to fit a square peg in a round hole and they do you know you do what successful teams have done and it's not like they won a super bowl but what we saw with lamar's mvp year it's like man they they really tailored it to him despite what he had around him and if you can do that with all those weapons you have down at atlanta it's a really really bad division and again it's the same as the bears thing but hey maybe atlanta's not great maybe atlanta would be a you know seven and a half point underdog to everybody in the afc playoffs but they got a home playoff game because they won a bad division and suddenly you know the the margin for error is so small in the nfl playoffs you know they they figure a few things out they have a decent matchup here or there and yeah, a team that really isn't, you know, it's looked at as like a garbage team right now could be in the, you know, the NFC title game pretty easily in this kind of in this landscape of the NFC right now. Well, I look forward to all the coverage on the deep dive on bet spurts. Uh, he's Andy Molitor on Twitter at Andy MSFW. I did lie. I have one more question. Is there a better two team parlay than a steak and a whiskey? No. I mean, that's undefeated. Your pin tweet. Gives me so many feelings. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I I remember getting all that together. I'm like, God, I should take a picture of this because this is just going to be a great day. And half of the great day was just the fact that I had all the everybody out of the house and I could just watch some sports in peace and quiet. It is a steak. It is thyme, garlic, potato, butter, three books. Looks like some edibles. Two whiskeys. Looks like a cake bread cellar. And then the Nutella sticks. I mean, that is... 
That's a survival 101 kit right there, pal. Yeah. Oh, no, we had it together. I sat down and ate way too much, watched whatever was on that was night, and yeah, that uh, that cake bread, full recommend. Really good wine. Ooh. All right, we'll be pulling for Eberflus for you, and I can't wait for the uh, 32 dive on uh, bets for every NFL team. I appreciate your time always, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate having me. That about does it for Chicken Dinner. Thanks to Andy Molitor for hopping on the show from Spurts and the Deep Dive Podcast. Took it on the chin. Ugh. Florida, oh so close. Loser at plus 950, which I think was somehow worse than the Julio Rodriguez 11-1 bet that we made last year in the Home Run Derby when he hit, what, 32 in the first round and then lost in the final to Juan Soto. Those were both brutal bets to lose 11 to 1 and plus 950 both lose in the championship but it's on to the next and i'm telling you this mike mcdaniel 20 to 1 is super live coming up on the show we'll talk to lady d that'll be next week cash some tickets make some money we'll talk to you next time right here on chicken dinner